Hello, and welcome to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. Rachel is a speaker, counselor, and an overcomer. As Rachel is walking through her own journey of grief, she's challenging others to persevere and overcome their own circumstances. We pray that you will be encouraged by this podcast. Here now is your host, Rachel Flick. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Hopecast with Rachel Flick. I'm at the Waymaker World Conference in Orlando for the American Association of Christian Counseling. Today, I'm so excited to bring my guest to you, Colleen Swindle Thompson. She is an incredible woman who knows what it means to be resilient. From domestic abuse, divorce, and raising a child with special needs, her faith has withstood significant testing. But she's come out of the fire a warrior. We're going to learn so much from Colleen, so let's go ahead and get started. Hey, Colleen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I can't tell you how excited I am that we get to talk in person. I'm so excited about that. It was like a special little treat that we actually met up um, unknowingly, right? Like a week ago we talked and then we were both going to be here. I had no idea. And so we said, well, we got to get together. And then here we are today. I'm, I'm just loving it. And you're just so vibrant and full of energy and life. And, and you said you were a seven, right? I An did. Enneagram I'm seven. Like a seven, and then I'm also part two. Like I was six, seven, and two are very close. They're very close. Well, you have a lot of fabulous seven enthusiast energy. Like when you walk in the door, it's just thank you. It's just wearing to my assistant. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise it's fabulous. She's just got to walk you right exactly. around the giant conference Can hall. She just leave Tiffany is just going to take you for a couple walks. <laughs> she has a ton of energy. I love it. It's it's vibrant. Like Thank you're you. just radiant with it. I love Thank it. You. Yeah. So, Colleen, will you um, just wherever you'd like to start, kind of take us on a little journey through your story? So where do we even begin with that story? So raised in a pastor's home and loved going to church was um, somewhat unusual being raised in the church and that theology that I learned was very solid, which has been foundational to where I am today. Mm. Um, I interjected part of my own beliefs in what I learned from scripture, which was, well, if I do this then God's going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, we're all going to be happy together. Mm-hmm. And I, That prosperity gospel is pretty attractive subconsciously. And it is subconscious because for sure I wasn't taught that growing up. Mm-hmm. And in my own family of origin had plenty of dysfunctions and challenges and very, very typical family challenges. So we had that, but church was a place that I love to be and love to go. And sadly, that is not how it is today. Mm. And I know that personally, because as I grew and married, uh, we were involved in church planting. And my partner or my husband at the time behind closed doors was very different than he was with everybody else. Okay. Which is something that the church doesn't talk about openly. And of course, I don't know how to step into that because it's that space of it's going to make people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, after having my third child and the challenges that came along with my youngest, I think the pressure we got got too big, and trying to make everything work out was impossible. And I also got involved with cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. very very intense, and learned I have a voice, and I have a voice that is meaningful, yes, and has a purpose. 
And as I started speaking up about that, my ideas, my thoughts, my determinations, my no, I don't agree with you on this, then Mm -hmm. it got extremely difficult. So I did go through a divorce, which is another church taboo topic, even though we have like divorce care in the back room on a Thursday night. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember the first Sunday when I came back from where I was living at the time, my, the courts allowed us to move, my children and I, to move to where we live now in Texas. Mm-hmm. I sat in the very, very back row. Yeah. And my dad's the pastor of the church. But there was so much shame associated with all that had gone on, and especially in a high-conflict divorce and in a divorce that involves a Christian public figure. Yeah, It just doesn't wash well with people. <laughs> and so there was a lot of betrayal with that and a yeah. lot of saying one thing to me And then behind closed doors, again, there's so much discussion, which is, it's just not Jesus. It's not honest. And I think we have to step into those hard conversations and Mm -hmm. hard places because that's where people are really suffering in isolation. Mm -hmm. So along with that, I had uh, my youngest son, Jonathan, was born with a lot of disabilities. He actually didn't have them at birth. At least we couldn't see them. Um, medically fragile, tons of uh, medical issues to begin with the first two years, and then was diagnosed with autism and intellectual developmental disability, which used to be called mental retardation at age three, and sensory processing disorder and all kinds of stuff. But I didn't know anybody who had a child with autism, which sounds crazy today, but back then it was one in 10,000. But it didn't used to be. I didn't know anyone. And so I'm like, what do I buy my son who was diagnosed in December before Christmas? And at age three, he wanted a vacuum cleaner. He wanted a fan. He wanted a washer and dryer because they would spin. Hmm. I'm like, well, Home Depot has like <laughs> some of that there. But for a three-year-old, I don't think he's going to be wanting that. So we'd go to Home Depot and he'd stare at the washer and dryer. It was just completely different and not what we know about autism today or yeah. what was accepted there's we've come a long way with the disability right. population in the last 25 years well and I imagine that being your youngest you kind of thought you know like oh you know I'm a seasoned mom and I know how this developmental process goes and then total curveball don't know anything about this don't know who to resource or ask for help don't have a community that supports that yes which that has so many factors to it but for sure it was um who do I turn to? And mm-hmm. I have uh, no one. And then the population at the time in 1997, disabilities wasn't something that was discussed openly, especially invisible disabilities, which is about 90% of the people who have a diagnosed disability or difference of some kind. Can you define for those of us not in the special needs community what an invisible disability would look like? Or That is a fabulous like? question. Exactly. That's a fabulous question. So when we say the word disabled, before I had Jonathan, I was one of those, one of a typical person who was like, that's kind of the weird class. And wheelchairs, assistive devices, mm-hmm. needs to have someone there to help them move or see or, you know, those kinds of things. Or a muscle disorder where there's muscle movements or muscle challenges. An invisible disability is when an individual on the outside looks very typical and yet their brain functions very, very differently Mm. or doesn't function in some areas. And it could be brain damage, stroke, TBI, um, 
loss of oxygen. It could be autism and some lear- all learning disabilities are invisible. Can I ask a question? Sure. So I have a friend who has MS mm-hmm. um, and she looks very capable. She's a beautiful woman. Um, some days she needs a cane or her wheelchair and some days she doesn't, but she has, um, you know, the handicap placard so she can park and stuff. And she says people will accuse her of faking, you know, if she's having a solid day physically and can walk in, you know, without something visible, would that be an example of an invisible disability? Yes. In fact, I was going to give the example of a woman that I knew who did have MS Mm -hmm. and would park in the disabled parking space. And the words that were said Mm -hmm. were just shocking. And because I have learning disabilities and I have physical disabilities, but nobody knows that from the outside, doesn't take long to identify that. (laughs) (laughs) However, um, on the outside, someone can look very, very typical, which isn't that so much like the nature of man Mm. is that God says, yes, you are fallen. You are you have a sin nature. It is a brokenness in what the original created idea was for mm-hmm. for when he created everything. So to me, it's been a learning process of Jonathan reflects my own sinful nature. And that as much as I want to go out of the house and not struggle with something, not have a sinful reaction, um, that's just not possible with without knowing Jesus and having my dependence on him. Mm-hmm. I am dependent on his grace and his companionship and his love. Mm-hmm. So on the outside, I may look like, oh, she's capable, she can do this stuff, or she speaks, or she writes, whatever that would be. But I'm no different from anybody else. Mm-hmm. And on the inside, I need a caregiver. Yeah, And that's Jesus. Yeah. So that process, and when you said my third one, I know this thing called mm-hmm. mommy life, which is what I expected because I have a very controlling, if you do this in parenting and if you do that in parenting, then your kids are going to turn out great. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have we heard the verse, raise the child and the way you should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. Well, that has so many pieces to it in mm-hmm. the Hebrew. Yes. And let's also consider that your child is an independent thinking person. So <laughs> not they are not an extension perpetual of Perpetual umbilical cord connection there. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes in the church, if a child as they grow is different, the parents are looked at as, well, what did you do wrong? Mm-hmm. But if the child is, is, is what we would call appropriate or stays within the lines, mm-hmm. then, oh, must be great parenting. Wait, guys. We have to attend to our individual personhood, mm-hmm. who God created you to be, Rachel, who God created Colleen to be, and what he allows in our lives is part of the voice that he's developing and will use for a purpose long term. Mm-hmm. So it's not a cookie cutter thing anymore. And I, I was very much more that way. And that group that was the, like the disabled classroom on Sunday where it was in the back I'm like ah that's uncomfortable Mm because I was so not familiar with it now those are my people yeah (laughs) because they are they have nothing to hide they don't know how to hide and nothing there's not shame so um I I absolutely love my son's groups yeah I think um 
pain has the opportunity to harden us and it has the opportunity to humble us. And if we let it humble us, we can become more beautiful, softer, available, relatable. You know, um, I grew up in the church culture and just that pressure to perform, to have it all together, to not let people see your weaknesses, um, you know, to do everything in my power to meet people's expectations, spoken or unspoken. And um, I just released an episode about my abortion when I was 18. And even 20 years later and all the processing that I've done and the conversation and I'm listening to it and I still have that little like gut check of like, man, I broke, I broke the rules. I'm not, you know, living up to the pedestal expectations, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, I want to take a hammer to that pedestal, right? Because you're like what you're saying, it's not real, you know? All of us need Jesus. All of us are dependent on our Savior for success of any kind. And so... Yes, and isn't it amazing as we see the world evolving and the mental health challenges continuing to surface, Mm -hmm. greater and greater mental health challenges, we see the expectations that we assume are on us are killing us. Mm -hmm. They are... We internalize that voice of, I have to be perfect. I have to show up this way. And well, who wrote that? Mm-hmm. And the sure, for sure, we will always disappoint someone. Yeah. In fact, in Galatians 1 verse 10, Paul is talking about, our, am I going to please man? Or am I, in fact, God is talking to Paul and Paul is writing. Are you going to be a man pleaser or are you going to be pleasing me, mm. your savior? Because if you're going to be a man pleaser, you're not a follower of me. Because following Jesus is really rugged, mm-hmm. and it's really risky. Yes. And a lot of people who maybe don't have that level of suffering yet, <laughs> and may never. <laughs> right. That's up to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But I think when you get to a certain threshold of suffering, it, it's supposed to be breaking to us. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to, like fire, separate the dross from the gold. Yeah. If we allow that. And I fought that for a long time because I thought, I can fix this problem. I Mm -hmm. can fix this for my son. And I'm not supposed to. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to love him regardless of what anybody else around me says or does. Mm -hmm. Will you talk a little bit about your mental health and the impact that the um, abuse the divorce, the stress of special needs, how has that impacted you and kind of taken you on a journey? It's going to be a journey probably for my whole life because I did have um, some challenging things, some abusive things happen in childhood. Mm. So there was trauma then, which also caused me to not have, not believe that I had a voice. Right. Um, and then having ADHD, which is an, there are seven different kinds of ADHD, but I have the inattentive kind. So I can focus on some things in mm-hmm. depth for hours and get so much in the weeds that it drives my family crazy <laughs> <laughs> and my executive assistant and my team. Or I can just be completely oblivious and, mm-hmm. and miss things and have what they call an autism mind, a time blindness where I just Ooh, I like that word time blindness. I, just, I have that sometimes for sure. And like, I'll set something down and leave the room and then go back in the room. Like, who left the cabinet? Colleen, you're the only one in the house. You're the one that left the cabinet (laughs) open. You You can't blame it on anybody else. So it's very um, challenging. There's also emotional regulation Mm. because it's 
part of the brain that the executive functioning, meaning the parts of daily living, that can be really challenging. Um, then there's also just being an introvert. Even though I can have extroverted moments, mm-hmm. I really refill in quietness and by water. And so mm. there are a lot of things that go into it. I, mean, I have allergies and I also have structural deformities. And so my physical pain is pretty constant, which yeah. affects brain fog. It affects how we function. We are truly fearfully and wonderfully made. And when yeah. something doesn't work right, it it affects our whole body. Mm-hmm. Paul was onto something when he says the church is like the body and every part is needed to function well mm-hmm. because I have a body that has parts that don't function mm-hmm. really well and I see it takes a community yeah it really does I would love to just hear your perspective on the recovery from your divorce because um, as someone who's lost her husband I've heard people say that divorce is like a death but that that person that you've lost continues to walk around and hurt you and um just bringing that into the light a little bit into church culture where like what you said you know it's it's like you're a pariah or you're a a lesser citizen on some level because you've had that experience in your life and and now you're married to a wonderful man that you love dearly Um, but i know that that was a process from one place to the other and i so wish it was linear so Mm -hmm. i'll touch (laughs) the points that that come to mind or that the Lord brings to mind. Um, But yes, because we were in ministry and I was speaking out on something that nobody else would see, then there was a bunch of betrayal from the relationships that we had. And Mm -hmm. there's no divorce that's only one person. It is two people that come together in marriage and two people that say, I do. And there are two people that eventually sign that divorce decree if a divorce happens. And so I, I, have taken as much responsibility as I know I can take or as you know in trying to say hey guys to my kids um it this was not just your father's challenges this was mom and dad and a divorce occurred Mm -hmm. because I did step out though in the church and he was a senior pastor then that the contentiousness and the anger because of some personality disorders on his side it turned into sociopathology. Mm. And actually, one in three women in the church are in a domestically abusive relationship, which is pretty astronomical that we're not talking about that. No. And I'm I've not saying heard we that need statistic to, before. We don't need to slam it. It's like, guys, we need to have a community who understands where each person is developmentally, what their background is. I say all the time, we are most influenced by the education that we receive, the environment that we are in, and the experiences that we have had. It's a great, I, I like that alliteration. Well, I don't know how that came about, but it just did. Maybe it's because that's the way I remember well. Uh-huh. Um, but people who will love on the messy stuff, who will put their arms around someone who's just trudging through the mud, mm-hmm. saying we are not going to make it. And it's vital um, to have that kind of support. And when that's not there, there's unbelievable trauma that happens. So as I went through my divorce, more trauma happened after that and has Mm. continued with stalking and all kinds of things that I don't need to go into because really that's just my experience. But I want to speak to the person who's gone through a divorce, whether Mm -hmm. it was abusive or not, and say that can become 
a place where, as 2 Corinthians 1 talks about, where Paul says from, from the challenges and the hardships that you have suffered and the comfort that the Lord has given you, then you will be able to comfort others. We don't have the capacity to give something that's not in mm-hmm. us or where we're not filled. And the Lord fills those vacancies because nobody else can. And as he does, then we are better equipped to yeah. speak into someone who is suffering through a horribly difficult season mm-hmm. without shaming them. Yeah, without shaming them. That's, that is so, so critical because shame, we now see neurologically and physiologically, shame affects every part of our lives. Absolutely. It causes us to regress, to hide, to not want to be seen. And yet, what did Adam and Eve do in the garden? They sinned, regressed, hid, and God said, no, but I want you. Mm-hmm. And he went hunting and looking for them. Yeah. He knew where they were. Yeah. He provided clothes for the very, the very two that had just obliterated the original mm-hmm. crea- creation. Yeah. I think, how did that grieve him? Yeah. So that's the kind of things that I brought away from going through a divorce and having a son that with challenges and mm-hmm. my daughter being suicidal and self-harming. That's not another thing you talked about in the church 10 years ago. Right. And yet, why don't we run to that person? Because they have a casserole line for the person who has cancer or right. a broken leg, which is yeah. wonderful. But if you say, my daughter's cutting and suicidal, they're like, Ugh. and I want to say, well, how about just putting your arms around them and saying, I may not know anything about this, but I want you to know you matter and your daughter or your son matters. And I'm going to stick with you through this. Mm, yeah. Producer Mike here jumping in, and I hate to interrupt here, but that's all the time we have for this show. Be sure to tune in next week as Rachel and her guest, Colleen Swindoll, will conclude their powerful conversation on the next edition of the Hopecast. If you want to find out more about Rachel, you can go to rachelflick.com. Also, be sure to follow Rachel on social media. Just search for Rachel Flick in your internet browser. Well, thanks for joining us today. This is producer Mike wishing you a blessed rest of your week. You've been listening to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. To find out more, go to rachelflick.com. While there, you can discover more information about all of the platforms that this podcast is on. If you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review. Also, another great way to stay informed with the Hopecast is to follow Rachel on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Just click on the social media icons at the top of the page and you'll be directed to Rachel's social media sites. While you're online, you can book Rachel for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. Go to rachelflick.com to book her today. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time for another edition of the Hopecast with Rachel Flick.